1: Welcome along to episode 665 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, T.J. Hill shares news of his latest book, even though it's under a different nom de plume. We will also be hearing what's going on with the PQA Academy, as some of their students have recently won a film award. We'll be nattering with the team behind Dynamics Rock and Pop Choir, as they have got a Great concert coming up to mark their 11th anniversary this May and your chance to join the choir too as they have members from around the Midlands. On top of that, we'll be asking with Rob Cheese Wright about the ongoing work being done for in COP26 and whether the nations are moving on as fast as they implied they would when they got together last November. And also, we'll be hearing the world of Dougie Wright. Ah, Dougie, he's got a brand new single under that name, working with Steve Nutter. It's going to be well worth a listen as we have a chat with him a little bit later on the show. Dynamics Rock and Pop are entering an anniversary year. The concert coming up in May and the opportunity to join their number. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Joanna and Luke. Hello to you both.
2: Hiya, Jason. How are we doing? Very well, thank you. Long time no see.
1: I know, it has been a little while, and last year was fraught with worry about that fella sitting to your right. And the last time we were talking about Dynamics, we were making sure that uh, you guys had got some funds coming through to to help out with the uh, roads to recovery. Now, uh, Luke, you've not been brilliant due to uh, ongoing health issues as everybody involved in Dynamics knows about, but uh, fingers crossed feeling a bit better at the moment.
2: Yeah, on the whole, yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah, um, slow road to recovery, but you're definitely yeah. uh, going in the right direction. So well, let, Let's keep
1: it going that way. That's what counts. And uh, we're looking forward to you being a, a greater and greater part again with the Outfit as the year goes on, as you are a battler. We know that. So that's good news. Uh, but what is going on, Joanna? What's happening?
3: Oh,
2: loads this year, Jason. Absolutely loads. Obviously, because we had that little lull because of COVID, which oh, yeah, so that
1: thing going on yeah
2: <laughs> so we thought that we're going to throw everything at it this year so we've just completed a, a really good christmas concert which was fabulous and got us back on track again um but this year uh we're celebrating 11 years as a collective uh, obviously last year we were supposed to have our 10 year anniversary concert but something stopped it um so we're doing it this year and we're gonna have an 11 year anniversary concert so we're going back and doing all of our greatest hits from the last 11 years. And to choose that has been so difficult, but uh, we've got such a cracking playlist for May. Um, Uh, that's that's the first thing that we've got uh, in the pipeline.
1: yeah so you're probably you're thinking of it as, as a ten plus one anniversary as much yeah. as anything else. and uh, say so I mean i've I've been talking to you guys what it must be six, seven years now that we've uh, been uh, following what's going on. and I have seen you lot performing live and uh, uh, that was over in Stairbridge and a, a fantastic night was had by all and and really, you know it, it is all about the sound, but it's also about getting people involved and uh, your your members pay to be part of a brilliant choir. It's a community group as much as anything else with the chance to perform on top of that in front of all the friends and family.
2: It is. A, it's, it's developed into such a community. It's It's so much more than a choir now. I mean, obviously, with the, the trouble that we've had over the last year, they've become family and they look after us and they're absolutely amazing. So we not, we, we meet weekly for rehearsals. Um, and we also have a bit of a social d- during that because we've, we've got a bar where we rehearse. So of course we all gather around and have a good gym as well, which is brilliant. But mm-hmm. um, we do loads of socials. We've just had a Christmas party. We've got a Valentine's party coming up. We've got a summer ball coming up. We take them away on trips. Um, We just have an absolutely brilliant time. And during lockdown, we did quiz nights and we do all sorts of things. So it's when you get involved with it, you can get involved on just the singing level or you can just get as completely immersed in it as you as you want to. And we try to do something every couple of months. So there's an event to look forward to every couple of months. And it's just a cracking, cracking group of people
1: and as much as some of the songs are going to have solo moments in them you don't have to be a solo singer you can be part of that you know, brilliance group that gives that the, the thunderous backing to uh, maybe someone who's singing a solo part but all the songs are geared so there is something for everybody of every level
2: uh, absolutely we, 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 we take anything from the 1950s to the current charts and it's all stuff that's been in the charts so it's every you everybody knows all the songs already and then we've got a live band we've got a seven piece live band who are, phenomenal absolutely brilliant so I think that's pretty unique that we get to rehearse with them every week now is Luke Um, back on
1: keys yet or are we still waiting a little while for that
2: you're coming back aren't you you're not 100% back back, he's working his way back so we've got Michael who usually is on saxophone and trombone he's also a pianist so Michael's jumping in as well so Mm -hmm. uh, Michael thank you very much yeah but
1: again it is all about a team effort and You've been in, been in good hands whilst you haven't been able to do everything you would normally do. But say, the, the, the thing is, it, I, I, Joanna knows how to lead an event. That, 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 I, I think I probably just need to leave it there. That's it. I, but, but, you I mean, as far as choir masters go, I, you are absolutely awesome. I, I, I love the vibrancy of everything that happens on stage. And, again, this is all part of that energy. You might think you could never get up on stage and sing. Actually, through dynamics, you could.
2: Yes, when people come to me and they say, "Oh, I can never join your choir job because I can't sing," and I, I, I have a rant so because when you're in a collective, everybody can sing, everybody can sing, and there's something about singing in a collective and giving it some welly and really having a good sing. Everybody's in tune. We never hear anybody being out of tune. Yes, if you were to pick people out Matt, and do a solo, the worries come in. But when they're singing as a collective, there's this sort of joint heartbeat, this joint sort of. I don't know what it is but everybody sings brilliantly so anybody who thinks oh I can't sing yes you can when you're in a collective and you're belting it out everybody can sing
1: because well, you find your key as well. I mean, the, 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 there's different points and different parts of the octave that you can sing in. So you will find a bit that you can do. My, my, my absolutely horrendous vocal range uh, sort of has got, has got a gap in the middle of it. And when I, when, when, when singing Christmas carols, I'm probably doing it here somewhere. And before you know it, I'm you know Gloria and Excelsis is about three octaves higher. I'm uh, exactly and- the
2: same, Jason. I have to change the way I sing because I've got a very definite break, and I have to change to get over that break. But and it, it's doable, you can do it.
1: Mm-hmm. So you can have fun, enjoy yourself, be part of a great social group, be there to share times, good times, and be part of a, of a choir family. And I say, Dynamics has got members from all over the Midlands.
2: Yes, we've got, we've got quite a big demographic. We actually found this out during, during COVID because we had to deliver some letters to people. So we, were, so we were driving around and we drove around to all our members and it's quite a big demographic, isn't it? So Hadley to... within all is it? Um, and obviously, lots of people within the Dudley borough, um, but yes, we've got we've got people. We, we we had people from Bridge North at one point, didn't we? Um, so yes, the, the demographic is 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 quite large. But people just they, they love it. They, they 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 love their Tuesday nights with us, and uh, and and people move heaven and earth to be with us, don't they? Yeah.
1: It's about the ethos of the whole thing as well, and I think that makes a difference. I know we've got some brilliant choirs in our area. You're one of a, a number who really know how to, to make it work. But uh, uh, Dynamics is such a family, and, and has been so welcoming to so many. And uh, you, you know, you, you've worked together so well, particularly through the pandemic. It's been brilliant to, to see things. And the, I mean, the fun nights that you guys are having online each week with a theme during the first lockdown was. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can still find this on the Dynamics page. I take yeah,
2: it. Yeah, if you get look, much to our what oh, a shame. Yes, we used to do um, every Friday night to keep our choir entertained. We used, me and Luke used to do a Corona cabaret and it was a different theme every week. So if you want to go on and see us doing disco, dressed up, um, you looked in not, like the, the chappie out of yellow, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a country and western night where we had an inflatable horse. Um, nothing, basically the Amazon man kept coming to our house every week with a new prop um, mm-hmm. and it was it was very well received by choir. It made everybody giggle, and they're all still there on the dynamics page. So we've got lots of videos. So if you want to see the nutters that lead the choir, you can see us. But more importantly, there's videos of the choir as well, and what we get up to, and you can see what sort of things we yeah. how we perform and what we do. And we're a bit we're just a little bit different, I feel, too, because we do quite a bit of choreography. Nothing too horrendous and too strenuous, and it helps us remember the lyrics because we don't have lyrics on stage. We uh, we, we we learn the words and. It's great. It's absolutely brilliant.
1: Yep. Yeah, I'd say musical mayhem doesn't even start to cover it, but it is jolly good fun, which is the bit that counts. Right. So uh, uh, now, yeah, I mean, it is January. Everyone's recruiting for everything. You're recruiting for new members if people want to come and join. And uh, I think you're working towards a kids group at some point during the year as well. So I am kind of indeed keeping yes. posted on that one. Um, so and we'll talk right, on that.
2: People start already this year. So we've only had one rehearsal so far this year, and we've, we've already had eight new people start. So that's really good. Mm. Um, and
1: and you'll always find a stage big enough to accommodate everybody who wants to be there
2: big up the dudley town hall
1: (laughs) (laughs) take take it over dudley that's what counts but as i say members from around the area it's absolutely awesome to see what you're doing give us all the details of where we find you and how people get in touch
2: right so we rehearse every tuesday at parks hall social club which is in woodsetton Um, we rehearse between seven and nine o'clock on a Tuesday night. But obviously, like we've said, we have a, we have a little gap in between to sort of have a, a, a drink and some of us stay behind afterwards for a, for, for a chat. So it's quite an easy, easy night. Um, it's £4 a session. Um, so if you're there, you pay. If you're not there, you don't pay. Um, it's £10 membership for the year. Uh, but the first session that you come to is completely free to see if you like it. So free toaster session. Um, and I think we're massively competitive compared to other all all the choirs in the area because we want to keep it accessible for all. So if a family wants to come and join us, then, then they can.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the, the, the thing is, there is a cost to doing it. You've got to pay for the gear, you've got to yeah. pay for uh, the equipment, you've got to pay the rights for the music, because, again, that's part of it. Every, but the, the music, I think, so often misses out on the fact that there's people who need to be paid behind the scenes for the work that they put in that let you enjoy it. So yeah. that's, that's all about making that happen. And uh, so four quid is nothing for a hobby, is it, to be fair?
2: I don't think so. I think it's uh, it, it, we, we like I say we try to keep it uh, reasonably priced so that people want to come and, and don't have to worry about coming. So
1: mm-hmm. well, brilliant work. Keep up that good work. Keep looking after that man there with you as well to make sure we get everybody back up to speed. Uh, thoughts with you on the problems you have had, and I know you're going to build out of this and have even more fun during your 11th anniversary year. And 11 obviously going to be the new uh, absolutely fantastic and legs 11. I dread to think what you're going to do with that as maybe as a theme at <laughs> but... point. Oh, I've got
2: an idea
1: now. <laughs> right, Luke, put your legs away. So uh, we will see you soon at some point during uh, 2022. But do get in touch, get involved, and become part of uh, one of the Midlands' most loved and uh, most caring choirs. Luke and Joanna, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Lovely to see you. Hi, Dougie. Releases Billy Bailey's Blackbird on the 28th of January. He's here now to tell me more about it. Hello, sir.
4: Good morning, Jason. How are you? I'm good. I trust we find you well. Yes, fine. Well, I hope so.
1: <laughs> that's good. That, that, that's what they're telling you. You're all right. That's what counts. So, uh, th- w- what is going on here then? Because uh, your drumming is an absolutely awesome sound, brought to life so many, many pieces of, uh, of uh, classic music for over the years. And you've got this single in your own right now. What's happening?
4: Well, uh, I've, I've been into uh, vocal things uh, since, uh, uh, since I was a teenager almost, you really. Mm. But- uh, doing talent, sh- uh, talent spots in local areas, yeah, particularly the one where I lived in the north of England, mm-hmm. uh, and I fancied myself as a singer at that point. Well, but the, the drumming took over eventually, uh, but I, uh, I finished up uh, being part of a four-part harmony group when I left the uh, uh, my original uh, band, the John Barry Seven, yeah, and um, I joined a band called the Ted Taylor Four. That was in a nightclub in London, the Jack of Clubs. Um, I, I, I was required not just to play the drums, but to do vocal things also. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was all written and arranged because it was clever stuff in those days. You know, all, everything was written down. And um, it, it's good if you could sight read things as well, be able to go straight in and read it and sing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't so good at in those days. I've improved a little bit since then. Had a bit of uh, practice. Yes, but but I've always listened since it, right when i when I left the nightclub, I became a freelance, of course, and it's on seventy top twenty hits, fifteen number ones. Uh, and I'm proud to be able to say I can still talk about it and remember them. and uh, but the thing is, um uh, on all the recordings that I did, I always used to listen to the lyrics of the songs,
0: mm-hmm.
4: um particularly the Walker Brothers things as well. Uh, because uh, some of the songs that Scott Walker used to do were absolutely great. Uh, and this has this encouraged me to be, uh, be a vocalist in my own right, uh, years on, decades on, if you like. Um, and I, I met up with this colleague of mine, this uh, itinerant musician called Steve Nutter. <laughs> he We've been producing stuff called Wright uh, Nutter Productions which is a natural because his name being Nutter, my name being Wright. What what could you do about that? You can't I mean, go wrong
1: with that, can you? <laughs>
4: I've, been, I've been doing vocal things and putting experimental things, um, which some guy said, I can't book you because you're an experimental band, uh, an experimental artist. And, I, and of course, uh, my roots are in jazz, uh, which is, uh, <clears throat> takes me back a long way. Uh, uh, and I can go back a long way, Jason. Uh, but the thing is, uh, um, I, I, I've I been putting together various things at the piano and doodling about, and I thought, Damn, we might get some mileage out of this stuff. Uh, and so from then on, um, Steve and I started to put things together, and uh, here we are. Well,
1: uh, yeah, and, and and we're going to take a, a listen to the track in a moment or two's time. And, I mean, you, you've probably... Got that many people, I mean, people list influences and the, the people who normally list influences list people you've worked with, whether we're looking at the likes of, I mean, Bowie being one of them, uh, but so, so, I mean, so many names in, uh, in your you know, back catalogue of, uh, of drumming work. You, you, it must be hard-pressed to find an influence who, who, you know, you haven't already worked with. Uh,
4: well, my early influences were not pop people. hmm because I go back pre-pop, if you like, <clears throat> to the 40s and 50s, yeah. with my interests, and um, uh, pop music of the 50s was rather banal, if you like, mm-hmm. it was rather, but it was a fantastic move forward when rock and roll arrived. Uh, but I wasn't interested too much in rock and roll at that time, because years earlier, when I was still at school in fact, I started listening to something called jazz. <laughs> uh, and, and, of course, uh, jazz was popular music in the late right 40s and 50s. Yeah. It was pop music of that time as well. And uh, the first time I heard the word jazz uttered was by a classical conductor, of all things, um, Maurice Miles, uh, the conductor of the Yorkshire Symphony Orchestra. He uttered the word jazz and he said, the trombone section of the orchestra now is a school trip, you see, and we were all watching this uh, this orchestra. But he was saying, The orchestra will, the the trombone section of the orchestra will now play for you some jazz. That's the first time I ever heard it from Mm -hmm. a classical guy. And uh, which is, uh, anyway, I I thought, I uh, like this stuff. But I've been influenced uh, and introduced to popular music and (laughs) boogie-woogie, which was a big pop thing in Mm the 40s. Well, way back before that, quell. Because
1: it's, it's boogie-woogie fun jazz is that is that how we should say
4: it a kind of uh, rolling piano style <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, of course uh, the greats of the, the piano were all uh, black guys from the blues artists of the 20s and 30s mm-hmm. um, and i used to listen to this before pop music arrived if you like and i was influenced by all this uh, and of course eventually uh, i thought yeah, i like i really like this but it was all trad music I was listening to. And mm-hmm. then suddenly I heard this changeover to modern jazz, bebop. And I thought, hey, what's going on here? This is great. And I, I started, unknowingly, I suppose, I was uh, listening to the guy at the back, who was the drummer. Mm-hmm. And I can mention an amazingly amount of drummers um, from the 1920s and 30s. That's where all the greats arrived. That's when they arrived. But some of those guys uh, were influenced by the drummers from the American Civil War, which was
1: <laughs> the 1800s. It's quite a tradition there. We're going back uh, yeah, a fair few decades
4: here. Yeah, well, the drumming thing took over, you see. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'll give it a go, see if I can hack this. <laughs> so I got myself some drum lessons at the local music shop in Leeds, where I'm from. Hmm. and. Um, uh, it was a good drummer, um, Alex Sidebottom. Good Yorkshire name, he, but he was—he didn't like calling himself Alex Sidebottom. He called himself Ad Alex Hidibotome. A novel way of saying Sidebottom. <laughs> 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 uh, so, uh, so there's a lot of madness attached to what I've been doing the other years, but that's great fun because it keeps your mind active anyway.
1: And you've just about made a living at it, haven't you?
4: I—I'm I, surviving.
1: <laughs> that's, that's what. what- <laughs>
4: Uh, I think, uh, I, I don't know about this, but I think I might be the only surviving practising drummer from the early 60s on the session scene and all that.
1: Well, I say, yeah, that, that session work has, has seen you through, and as you say, the number of hits you've appeared on. And has this also meant you've, had, you've gone out on the road as well when you've been working with these bands in the past?
4: I never went out on the road with the bands that I worked with in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, what we did in the studios, all the, all the people in the studios, were covered by the, the backing bands of the artists when they went out on tour so what we played in the studio had to be copied on stage by the bands that they were working with
1: and and, so and when, when you're a skilled session drummer actually you've got uh, you've given them a lot to live up to when it comes to recreating your work
4: well yeah but, but the thing is Jason you can't be too technical otherwise it ceases to become pop music mm-hmm. You're, you're moving from the genre into too, too many uh, improvising ideas. Um, pop music is not about that. Jazz music is, but pop music is not. You see, I used my jazz technique to, to take into the studio with me, and, um, uh, and uh, I took ideas into the studio from my jazz genre earlier. Uh, and it, it, they, it paid off, but it, I simplified a lot of my drumming from what I used to do, well, I mean, my, my drumming now is not as fast as it used to be, if, if, if I can say that. But the thing is, it's I, I find it more interesting to play drums now, because mm-hmm. I can pick and choose where I'm gonna play things, how I'm gonna play things. But if you get too technical, you say, I was stopped in the middle of a track once by the producer and he said, Dougie, he said, uh, uh, you're getting too busy. Well, mm-hmm. I thought I was enhancing the track. This is a common fault with drummers. They get too busy. Um, This is the the one great thing about people like Ringo Starr and Charlie Watts. Um, They put they laid it down uh, and they did exactly the right things for the groups they were working with.
1: Yeah. Well, we've got exactly the right thing for you now with Billy Bailey's Blackbird. Explain a bit on the story of the song before we take a listen to it.
4: Well, there are two uh, songs which uh, I like to uh, couple together. Um, uh, I like, I call them double-wrapped, because uh, the, the, the original, they are all jazz numbers, mm-hmm. effectively. Uh, Billy Bailey, Bill, Bill Bailey, won't you come home, Bill Bailey, um, into Bye Bye Blackbird. So I coupled the two together and thought, well, they're both together, so let's mix the titles as well. Uh, I don't know of anybody else that's doing it, but let's give it a go. Um, so I suggested this kind of thing to Steve. And um, we, we've gone along with it ever since. I've got a number of things, some in the pipeline, which I won't tell you about, because I want you to go out and buy it, you see.
1: OK, well, that, that's fine. we will we'll, we'll tell you what, I could talk to you for hours. I could listen to your stories forever. Uh, and uh, there's lots more to tell. And uh, we, we're looking out for uh, Dougie, basically Dougie right? that man there, uh, and uh, the, with the work that you're doing with Steve Nutter as well. This is going to be... Uh, you're sort
4: of creating a, a genre on your own, really, here, aren't you? Well... We're trying to do something a little different. Um, There's been so much covered down the years and people seem drum drum rhythms seem to be the same down the years. Uh, Jim Chapin, the great Jim Chapin, the American drummer said to me once, he said, all the drummers sound the same now. Uh, But I mentioned it to an old colleague in London and he was a keyboard player and he said, funny you should say that. He said, all the keyboard players sound the same as well. Now, is there a reason for this? Because it's more commercial to sound the same, um, without being inventive, without being creative, if you like. But I'm
1: not sure. No. Well, we're enjoying your creativity, that's what counts. Billy Bailey's Blackbird, available from the 28th of January. We're looking out for, basically, Wright-Nutter Productions. Uh, Dougie, Dougie Wright and Steve Nutter collaborating in this wonderful sound. Thank you for joining us. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to getting you back with the next release when you want us to sell that to and go out and buy. OK, mate.
4: <laughs> Thank you for everything, Jason. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
5: Won't you come on home? Really, really, won't you come on home? She moans the whole day long. And she says, I will do the cooking, darling. I will pay the rent. because I know I've done you wrong. Remember that rainy eve when I drove you out With nothing but a fine tooth coat, nothing but a fine tooth coat I know I'm to blame, and it seems an awful shame Billy Billy, won't you please come on home? Stay. that's the way it goes who knows billy boy might say i'm gonna rap all my cares and whoa here i go singing low
1: The Pauline Quirk Academy in Wolverhampton has some massive success in their film work recently. Tell us more. I'm joined now by the director of the winning shorts. We have Jacob Lewis-Taylor. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. How are you doing, mate? Good to see oh, you. Oh, good. here. Yeah, I know. Good to see you too. Now, obviously, uh, the Work Academy uh, looks after all sorts of disciplines within the arts, has regular weekly meetings and works with kids of all ages. And this has really given them not only a great developmental start in their general day-to-day life, but also meaning some of them will go on to work in the arts industry itself. You have two of the team behind the film. Tell us more about what's been going on.
3: Uh, So, first of all, uh, by no means credit me as the director, Jason. Mm -hmm. I am the teacher of film and television here at the Academy. But the the work, both on and off camera, has been done entirely by the students. Obviously, you can see we've got two of the students here. My job is just to give them the skills and the toolkit to go forward uh, into their their lives and their careers, whether it's as filmmakers or not. The beauty of film as a medium, really, is that it's that wonderful marriage of discipline and expression. It's a wonderfully expressive medium because you can really talk about anything through the storytelling process, but the filmmaking process itself is often very rigid and very disciplined. And it, teach, it, it It gives you both ends of that spectrum that you're gonna need throughout your professional lives. So it's, yeah. as far as the work is concerned, it is all on these guys. So if you if you want them to tell you about the film, these two are the people to talk to. We have okay. one of our lead cast members in Imogen over here, and we have one of our crew in Logan.
1: Yeah, okay. Logan's been working on Sound Imogen. You play one of the, uh, the lead roles. So tell us the, uh, the name of the film to begin with and how the story progresses.
6: So the film is called In My Heart Again and basically the whole thing is we have these two friends and, um, you know, they're just like kind of average friends, you know, very close. But then eventually as they get older and the boy ends up moving away. And so the girl back at home is a little bit, you know, she's a bit upset about it. They've been friends for a very long time. So, you know, kind of them being split up does damage the friendship a bit, but they try and stay in contact. They stay on the phone and everything. And that carries on as they progress, you know, even older. And then um, this is coming into Christmas. Um, The girl and the boy are kind of like maybe teenagers and, you know, they're kind of progressing through their lives. Um, So the girl starts wrapping a Christmas present for the boy to send off to him Mm -hmm. when um, she hears a knock at the door and she goes and he is there wearing a present that they've had from many years ago when they were younger and they've kind of just connected back again as friends and they're back home together.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and through the the work that you do at pqa obviously you're, you're a group of friends there who uh, you know, have been come from all different backgrounds across the city and uh, but with a common interest and it, it, it telling stories like this and and the way in which you work as a team it must, must be great then to, to tell a story of friendship and and maybe reflect
3: some of the, the ways in which you all interact with the group well one of the great things about the filmmaking process is that you can get a group of people together, especially when they're young filmmakers and young practitioners like them, is you can get them together. When they put their heads together, they're able to tell a story that really resonates with them as an age group and as a a group of individuals. You know, we were given essentially carte blanche to tell whatever story we wanted, as long as it was based around Christmas time. Mm -hmm. And when these guys got in a room together, they really wanted to tell a story all about the distance that they feel Um, at Christmas time, whether it's because of of the the pandemic that we've been experiencing, or whether it's because of the fact that technology has such a massive impact on our lives. I mean, there's a couple of scenes in the
2: film
3: where we tell the story through FaceTime, um, which is a, a bit of an interesting filming device. But, you know, they got a chance to tell a story that was really resonant to them. And I think that's probably one of the reasons the film had a bit of success in a national competition is because it spoke to them as an age group.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and um, you know, obviously you're helping guide them through the use of the equipment and the media and, and the way in which they can tell a story that may they may not have thought of and then it's, it's getting that uh, as, as, a, as a seed and, and then they sort of develop their own ways of, of doing this as they then go forward uh, but I mean so it's not like Logan obviously you you don't have to be in front of the camera it might be something you choose to do but you don't have to be in front of the camera to, to be part of it and uh, again you've been learning about the, the world of sound and, and trying to record sound on something like this without the boom mic turning up as we so often see in some of the the professional productions out there that can be hard work in itself can't it
6: yeah yeah it can be really hard for me yeah
1: but you have to work a scene look at it and then learn how you can actually pick up the sound so everyone can tell what's going on
2: yeah without the sound it's like you can't really tell the story it's just like good visuals and sound they just work hand in hand together It makes the movie
3: he's absolutely right he's absolutely right you you cannot really have one without the other and if unfortunately so- um, one member of the team or, or a group in the team dropped the ball on one or the other, it hinders the film. I mean, there's a great quote from Michael Keaton, the actor, and I can't remember the context of this quote, but I remember I brought it up in class before where he says that filmmaking is a team sport, and it's absolutely right. You, you have to have every single member of that crew working well in tandem and communicating in order to make a good film. And that's one of the skills that, that we try and impart in film and television as a class. You know, We have kids all the way from age six up to age 18 On set, making films, learning to work within a team environment Mm -hmm. through the medium of film. And that's where a film like this works so well, is they had to put their heads together. They had to work well as a team in order to get a competent finished product that an audience could enjoy.
1: Yeah, so a national film award, which is absolutely brilliant, and long may the sort of success that PQA has seen there continue. I say it's not just film and TV, but it is across the board in so many of the areas. But this gives them an understanding as well. You sit down and watch a TV show, and it, you start to learn that actually, you watch them like EastEnders, where they may have the luxury of having multiple cameras uh, on on different parts of the scene. But you look at other uh, programmes, and it might be someone's gone offset, and when you're offset. Uh, uh, and, and you're actually working in, in the real world uh, uh, rather than somewhere which has been built specifically for a programme like Coronation Street or EastEnders, you start to, to, to watch how camera angles are, are being done. So they've, they've clearly filmed the scene twice, and mm-hmm. one from one angle and one from another. And if you're looking at a person's perspective on, a, on, on something, you start to see that when you get that understanding. And as, so the, the, the kids start to analyse the programmes that they see and learn from, from watching TV as well as then allowing them to make
3: it themselves. Absolutely right. I mean, you know, when you turn your brain off and you watch a finished piece of film or a finished piece of television, it can almost seem like magic that's, that sprung up automatically. But actually, there, there are so many technical sides to the filmmaking process that a lot of people don't even know exist. I mean, Logan, for example, I mean, what did I have you doing on the last day of shooting?
2: Uh, it was like minus two outside and I had to go and put a massive black blanket over the window that where we
6: were shooting the scene and to block out the light. And I had to stand there for like a full 10 minutes, just <laughs> putting up this blanket in minus two in my little jacket and just going, please. I mean,
3: poor old Logan's suffering for his art, but this is a great example. People don't realize that there is someone on a set holding a piece of polystyrene or a piece of fabric, oftentimes blocking the light from the sun So the lens isn't flaring out with the light so you can get a good shot. You know, people don't know that these jobs exist. And One of the things that that we do here in the film and TV class is not only introduce them to these slightly more esoteric, slightly more alien film roles, but also introduce them to the idea that roles like this are part of the, the process of teamwork. You have to, you know, get your hands dirty, roll up your sleeves and do the job to make the product work to make the final film come to life Mm -hmm. you know and we've got for example we've got one of our students on the set of the BBC funded short film today and I know and I have every confidence that he's going to step on set today and look at every single member of that crew working together as a team and know exactly what every cog in that metaphorical machine is doing So he's going to be able to step on set as an actor or as a crew member. He happens to be an actor today, but whether it's as an actor or a crew member, he's going to be able to step on set with confidence, roll up his sleeves and work as part of that team.
1: And what PQA do is you get a background to all of that so it could well be you may be the start of one show but then next thing uh, you'll be actually holding a camera or uh, doing that if again that's skills that you want to develop and PQA allows kids to do this and it's not just in film and TV there's all sorts of areas in theatre music and, and uh, there's so much that you do uh, from the uh, the annual trip down to uh, the Royal Albert Hall as part of the PQA set up nationally uh, or whether you're actually uh, just, producing just putting on a show in Wolverhampton there is so much going on how do people- People get in touch if they think this is going to be right for their whether i think you said six through eighteen year olds
3: absolutely right so we run from ages six to eighteen in the main academy we do also have another group that we call poppets which is from ages four to six for our younger ones who run shorter sessions that are more appropriate for their particular age group but if you do want to get in touch with us you can find us at www.pqacademy.com I'll say that again just in case you missed it that's www.pqacademy.com or you can give us a ring here at PQA Wolverhampton on 07838 115152
1: And you're a brilliant team. Loads going on and opportunities to get involved in big things and uh, to to see shows all through PQA. And I wonder what the PQ stands for. It's Pauline Quirk, who has been on our TV screens for a number of years and is part of the background to the organisation who really want to see a new generation succeed in the world of film and TV the whole of the art, but also to give them that confidence. So so you don't have to think that you're going to be the next uh, Doctor Who to be able to be a part of it. It could just be you want to build your confidence when you're maybe presenting uh, a a really boring accounts-related thing later on in your life. But it all builds as part of that great life experience.
3: Absolutely right. If you can train a little bit as an actor... As a dancer, as a filmmaker, it's going to give you skills that you can bring into any professional environment, whether it's a stage, a film set, or an office, it doesn't matter. It gives you that confidence for the rest of your life. And that's what we're all about.
1: Jacob will Jacob that? and the team up from PQA. Thank you for joining us. Have a great time. We look forward to your next success. And of course, to more people getting involved in what's a brilliant Academy in the heart of Wolverhampton.
3: Thanks, Jason.
7: Thank we'll
5: see you,
3: you soon.
1: We're now two months since COP26 and the environmental pledges that were made by so many nations should hopefully be starting to come into play. So let us know how we're getting on as a planet. I'm joined now by Rob Cheeseright. Hello. Hello. So, yeah,
7: we're putting putting some pressure on you there. What's going on in the world? Yeah, well, the first thing that I'm I'm very conscious of is that it doesn't feel like two months since COP. Someone said it to me the other day and I was like, really? It feels like months ago because the world seems to have moved on so fast and you know Downing Street's at least had about 30 parties since then. So <laughs> it, it's very hard to it's hard to say. I think the the difficulty is so much of it's happening in secret. So the UK still has the presidency at COP and um, we haven't really heard much from Alok Sharma who ran COP on the UK's behalf. Um, but I think the, the promising thing we have heard is that Egypt which is hosting it uh, sort of next autumn has said it thinks um, you know it's confident that it can get more impressive outcomes. So mm-hmm. if you Anyone who remembers what we, I was talking about a fair amount last time, you know, the aim was to keep 1.5 degrees of heating in play, um, but all the, the commitments that were made in November didn't really get us there. So Egypt is confident and can get a bit further than that. So, um, yeah, it's all still to play for. It seems like the world has almost got a bit distracted by uh, other things rather than the environment. At the same time, you know, in Australia, we had 50 degree temperatures last week. Um, and we've got horrific fires in North America so you know climate change isn't isn't delaying that's still happening and it's getting worse and worse mm-hmm. and um, but it's it's gone a bit quiet in terms of public announcements on climate the UK government is doesn't seem to have done a huge amount since since November and, well, I think
1: uh, if anything could be happening in the UK government and we wouldn't know about it because the press has decided its current agenda is they they're picking up on, on events which although I uh, you know, maybe upsetting to people, actually have no relevance to anything that's going on today. And it's really about time they started picking up on the real relevant stuff, which
7: is things like the environment. I think that is the big challenge, isn't it? Because what's happening with what's going on, and, 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 it, and its importance could be that if it brings down the government, that's, that's huge, yeah. and that's kind of what everyone's going for. But at the same time, it's massively distracting everyone from delivering actually real policies. for. Like, I can't think of the last time that, the government actually did something that, that was meaningful, you know, announced announced a policy on pension reform or older age care or anything. You know, there's no there's no real drive to do it So we seem to be stuck as a country. I sort of take more hope in a in a weird way globally. I mean the the launch of don't look up the Netflix film uh, around uh, you know the you know the story of the film and I won't won't ruin it for everybody is That's a pointless. comet it's a comet heading towards Earth and, and essentially the comet is a A metaphor for climate change and you know that's got hundreds of millions of views and people seem to love it so i think almost public awareness and public consciousness gets bigger and bigger all the time and actually i think that's probably why i think in the end the politicians will catch up because we're we're all we're already you know we in our home lives we're doing these things Um, you know we've been recycling for years there are people that have been doing veganuary and and reducing their meat uptake People, are, you know, it was the second best selling car in the UK last year it was an electric car. You know, we're all starting to make these changes in our lives, regardless of whether the government steps up to the plate or not. And I think that will only accelerate. I think we will. Um, we will do it. I think us, the great British public, normally mm-hmm. we'll put our shoulder to the wheel and get stuff done.
1: It has to be based on consumer requirements. And I'd say we're consumers and that's the problem. We consume too much or consume the wrong things or we're actually destroying the environment by the nature of the products that we're buying. So that's, that's what we need to do. We need to make sure we're having that conscience. And, and it may not always be the cheapest option, but having more, you know, having less of the right thing rather than more of the wrong thing is an attitude that we need as a people now.
7: Yeah, absolutely. That that was, that was the big theme of an article I wrote on uh, Pinwheel's website uh, recently about low carbon diets and around, you know, better to have less but higher quality meat rather than lots and lots of low quality meat. And you can often lead a better life, uh, have better quality things uh, if you do do it the most environmental way. You know, it's, it's logic that our... But certainly my parents and grandparents had you know buy buy cheap buy twice and actually you're better off buying something better quality and then it will last longer and it's more repairable now obviously if you can't afford to do that you can't afford to do it but it's one of the it's actually one of the, the, the sad things in life is that people that can afford to do that actually get better off because it lasts three times or four times longer than the, the cheaper thing so i think we I think being careful about what we consume is really important. And actually, as I say, it's one of the things that we've been focusing on a lot since COP26 uh, in what we're doing is we've been looking at detailed guides on how people can do this stuff, because I think that's the really hard thing. If I said to you, well, how do you get solar panels? Do you know? How do you, um, a heat pump or an electric car, or any of these things, you know, where do you start? So we've been putting how-to guides with really kind of... um, factual information in there not just you know they're good or bad or whatever but how do you do it? who do you call which mm-hmm. website do you go to first what things yeah. do you actually need to think about before you even start is your house likely to be ready for it that kind of stuff we're starting mm-hmm. to put out there
1: and there's good and bad in everything. I mean, you know, if you've got a, a car that's perfectly you know, working order, three years old, uh, having an electric car this year actually is going to be worse for the environment than you continuing to use your old one because of the cost of, of manufacturing these things. We have to look at you know, when things come to an end of a serviceable life, that is the time at which we want to replace them. And again, this is what we need to think about across the board. Do you need the latest mobile phone? I didn't upgrade my phone this year. You know, it, uh, I, I, Financially, that was a sense. Move for me, and environmentally, it's a sensible move because I have stopped another phone being produced that, that's unnecessary. And uh, you know, I, you might have multiple devices to do different things. Well, you, sweat the asset, make it work as long and hard as it can, and and that's the sort of attitude that we need alongside then making an environmentally friendly choice when we need to change.
7: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that sort of. Almost throw away society. I know that's a cliche. That didn't exist until quite recently, did it? And yeah. I did change my mobile phone this year. I used to have a Fairphone, which is a really ethical type of phone. Sadly, it, it didn't work as well and it lasted about four years, but I had to get rid of it. But I got a refurbished phone this year for Christmas, mm-hmm. actually. My wife got me a refurbished phone. So, you know, even when you get a, a, a new phone, you don't actually have to create new electronics. You can get one that is as new and it's not adding to the the piles of waste in the world and and creating new emissions as a result. And then you're right about electric cars. I mean, they are absolutely the best thing to buy if you need to buy a car. But if you don't need to buy a car, keep your old one because the embedded carbon is is massive in a car. Not only that, but um, try not to use the car at all. I mean, the the thing that I'm so excited about with electric travel is our Mm e-bikes. There are now bikes that have a range of 50 miles. You know, you, know these, you can get to the point where, and cargo bikes as well, so you can even transport your shopping, in them. where for, for trips of sort of 20, 30 miles, which is, you know, most of us very rarely do trips over that, um, you know, we get to the point where the car might not be the best answer at all.
1: Yeah, and uh, say an increase in use on public transport, greener public transport would be a useful way of doing it. Public transport actually goes where you want to go as well. I think that's one of the things we need to address. uh, As 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 it it is, I remember from my youth, and we probably had more buses then because it was during the advent of the uh, the the community uh, minibus, which was a a scheme that was was sort of run. And there we end up with these bus routes, which are are slightly less environmentally friendly because they got a big diesel bus on it rather than the little minibus. Now. More minibuses is, you know, more carbon than one big bus, but it, if it can take a car off the road, actually, it's not a bad thing. So we, we need to look at the way in which this sort of structure works, and that is government. That's something that we can't do without them, yet we can control other things and demand from our MPs what we need to make our lives right and more environmentally friendly. So we can do things at a pooled cost rather than at a greater one to the environment.
7: Absolutely, and that is the role of government, isn't it? And You know, where where they can make bigger choices on all of our behalf and, it, and it, the, the really sad sad stories around rural bus routes that are now being closed again and, and you know uh, parts of where i grew up you know you, you got a bus in the morning and a bus in the evening and that was it so if, you, if that didn't work for your shift where you're going to work you couldn't use public transport so you know that is a real a real challenge a lot of a lot of what we just talked about there you know it's electric cars um mobile phones is actually thinking about the, the, the situation as a whole you know we hear so much about climate change and of course we do because you know we've, we've got about eight years at our current rate of consumption before we will miss that 1.5 degree target if we miss that 1.5 degree target we cannot control what happens next whether it's the ice caps start to melt and release more methane that makes the warming worse the floods and the fires that will happen you know you can't really adapt to it we, we talk about climate adaptation but now, there are, there are really rich, well-adapted countries like Germany, Belgium, Canada, and America that are suffering from this. The UK could be... Ne- it, it, it doesn't really discriminate on geography, um, And so I, I totally get the focus on climate change. It's quite scary. But actually, what we talked about with cars was the electronics, the, the, the precious metal material in them, the tyre rubber with, with, with mobile phones. There are so many precious metals in them. You know, we are throwing away and it's going to landfill in parts of Africa, Eastern Europe and China. Millions of pounds worth of precious metals. There were there there lead and gold and things in some of these mobile phones and kettles and fridges that we're throwing away, that worth truly tens of millions of pounds. We should bring it back into the system so that we can reuse it better for the planet, but we're, it's so wasteful. Mm. And the environmental damage that gets done when some of these products degrade the electronic the, the metal starts to leach into the water, it leaches into the air, it you know it kills people, it kills fish. So you know waste and consumption are huge as a as things we need to tackle. And you know I wouldn't say it's more important than climate change, clearly it's not, but but it's all linked.
1: And you do all this mm-hmm. hand it's, it's, it's in hand. It's the whole biome that we live in. Uh, you know, it, it, it all has to come together as one. And nature's quite good at doing that on its own. It found a way of doing it over millennia. Uh, we, we've come along, we've, we've become a, a, a spanner in the works, and it's those works that we need to cut back on so we don't have you know, sort of bigger issues heading forward. So eight years is our, is our limit, really, as we, we've seen. And that's probably been quite generous. The reality is we, we need to do something that stops it before then, uh, and, and you know, so, so we've got a chance of getting these things back. You talked about Pinwheel, obviously you guys are doing a massive amount of work on this, where can we go for more information on those guides that you have, and uh, yeah, the, the, the bigger picture we're looking at here?
7: Yeah, sure, so if you go to www.pinwheel.earth, that's our website, www.pinwheel.earth, And there's two things you can do there, really. One is have a look at the story section, which is where we've got all of these guides and we're adding more all the time to help people navigate these choices. And it's not about saying do more, but once you've kind of decided that you're interested in something, you need to know how. And it's really hard to work out, you know, where where to focus your efforts. You know, Mm -hmm. if you just Google something, it's a bit, it's all over the shop, really. And then the other thing you can do is you can, you can subscribe to pinwheel you can sign up to a plan that that tries to repair the planet so we've got four plans one that's based on land-based rewilding in the uk an ocean plan that's based around preserving and protecting our oceans a plan that's based around giving technology to people in the global south that helps them reduce carbon Mm -hmm. and we've got a long-term plan about carbon removal now you don't need to remember any of that (laughs) if you you did go to www Earth. you'd be able to have a little look at those. And if you did fancy funding planet repairing activity, you could do that from there.
1: Oh, Rob G's all right. Uh, our environmental guru, thank you for joining us. Thank
7: Thanks,
1: me. TJ Hill has a brand new book out and is here to tell me more about it. Hello, sir. It's a
0: collection of short stories, Poems, uh, a modern day, guys, the theme talks about modern day life, uh, in, in, includes uh, artship, romance and ghost stories. And the manuscript for this was actually lost? It was what, actually or? lost. It, this was actually sent in about three or four years ago. Yeah. And it had got lost to something on, the, on, the, on their system and, they, and I never knew any more about it. Mm-hmm. I thought it had been forgotten all about it, and they contacted me. And they said they found it on the system and they put it together. This was a name I used when I was studying. So, what name is it under? The name of the book under it is under Edward Jacob Chaplin.
1: So, uh, a, a, a different name to what we used to with your t- usual TJ Hill. So, this gives you a whole new the uh, uh, set of audience potentially who, who come into your world well, for the first time with a new name.
0: It has all kinds of stories and even letters that mm-hmm. I wrote when I was doing a campaign for AGK for, for the TV license. Mm-hmm. Even they even put that in.
1: Okay, so you're going to share a poem with us. What are you
0: going to read? The poem is actually based on that one, about. it's based on the, on the idea from Wordsworth, but this one's called Artship. It's based on an homeless person. Mm-hmm. It's called Artship. Whilst we keep our heads, those in government departments are losing theirs. Blame us for their downfall. We trust them not to care a lot. They think of only themselves and not others. Treaties are tired of listening to their lies and not, and not speak a word about it. Keep our thoughts to ourselves. Treaties are the same. Can't take the truth and talk to their face or get through to base. Talk with friends or walk between crowds of people through town centres. Forgive them, forgive them their pain. They have, they have to stand in the rain. They too have to stand in the rain, waiting for a train. Watch them wait and pass them by. Have no dealing with hate. Them not be man or woman... Um, dream not a word to them about your dreams what they don't know can't hurt them they never be told or out in the cold they're not human putting people out on the streets with no fruit to eat or shoes for their feet so obviously a lot of social commentary that line actually came from an homeless person mm-hmm that I was walking around the town at the time in Wolverhampton, and he, he was muttering there. He, he, he muttered, oh, no, I've got no fruit to it, all shoots from my feet. Yeah. But it's actually based on the idea of the one called If. I'd actually read the poem If, and I decided to write this one, so it would make... And it's a weird... I think the poem itself, the poem itself actually made reading words before I felt I wanted to write something that would w makes the same, but more like my own idea. hmm So I decided on art. The reason I called it Artship is because I wrote it on the time when they had the Universal Credit come in. Mm. And people I read a lot of the articles about people being on the streets and people losing their homes or, and suffering. So, and there was a line in one of the newspapers that people suffering hardship. And I decided to use that line for the title. Well, obviously, yeah, with, with that and the other works uh, in, in the book,
1: uh, you've got a, a selection of, uh, of pieces which are going to reflect uh, a period in your life when uh, things were... were a bit I do feel that the,
0: the book... And the reason I got the title is from a song by Dickie Valentine, Mm -hmm. He he did a one-off. I was listening to a program on one of the Sundays. I was watching a program called uh, Spotlight TV, Mm -hmm. and they had a song on there by Dickie Valentine, a one-off, a a one-hit wonder, and it was called The Finger Up Suspicion, and that's where the title came in. So that's where the, the the title of the book came from yes, and, I, and, and I, a wide, a wide
1: I, range of different uh subjects that you've picked up and and you know over a period of years i suppose it took to pull together
0: i felt that when i read that song it meant something to me because it was it I, I it was about when i was growing up and when i was it was only a one it won and i i thought I the song meant something mm-hmm. the title itself actually meant something and, and this poem, to me, meant it meant something to me. It means that there are a lot of homeless people out there, and I thought that they that they needed a voice. Mm-hmm. The homeless people needed a voice, and this poem is actually wrecking, It is actually standing up for the homeless people, showing that showing the government that we that there are a lot of homeless people out there. So. With that and the other works in
1: the book, you can buy this now. Where is it available from? They can
0: actually get this book from... Our, it was actually published by Pegasus, Elliot uh, in, in London mm-hmm. and ba- Vanguard Press. They're, they're, two, they're two companies in one. But they, but they can buy this from WH Smith. It's available from WH Smith. It's available from Waterstones. Uh, Amazon, any uh, and all outlets, a yeah. black and white cover, I child black and white for reason. And if you look on the side, it's got a picture of an armless person. Mm-hmm. As in, a picture of an armless person on the side carrying a blanket. The, the picture itself could, sell, could tell the story of of an armless person who walked was on the streets. So it's easy to spot in the
1: shops. We're looking out for the finger of suspicion, and as I say, it's not under your usual name of T.J. Hill. Give us the details of who lists as the author.
0: Edward Jacob Edward Jacob Chaplin. So that's what we're looking out for, Edward
1: Jacob Chaplin. The finger. Edward, of
0: who, I which when I, at the time I sent this, and I had I was a fan of Edward Woodward, and mm-hmm. I got Jacob from Jacob Marley So I was reading. Um, Squares at the time, and I'm I'm also a Charlie Chaplin fan. I, I grew up watching some of the Charlie Chaplin films, and I've collected all stuff on Charlie Chaplin, and I feel that he, in some respect, it's sort of a dedication to him as well. So, Edward Jacob Chaplin, an inspired nom de plume
1: for this book, a collection of poems, stories and letters. You
0: can, can also download it from the Pegasus website. Okie dokie. So, if you got if anything else coming... Download in? it from Pegasus website. Oh. Uh, do go out there, do buy the book, and you'll and read the poem about the homeless person. You'd You can you may understand what it's like for people to be homeless. Mm-hmm. There are stories based on letters, poems, winter stories, Christmas, there are three Christmas stories in there. there also, There's also a, a couple of Elvis Presley stories in it. There's a story in that three, three stories on Elvis Presley. So quite a collection of works there. The total. Page numbers is 166. So getting value for money as well. We like that, as
1: you say. Available in all good stores, downloadable from the Pegasus website and via Amazon too.
0: I don't feel... There are some... There are lots... Of, there's one here called Winter. very small poem. It's, about, it's called Winter. Mm-hmm. Cold nights, frosty days. People pass by, snow on ground. Eating Bill's eye. Then we got the face of spring. The wind blew down on the face of people passing by. Macpies walked across green grass. Spring popped its head up and said, I'm here. We can't wait to throw open windows, sending away the winter blues. As the sun shone, spring spoke, this is my day, so go away. I, I lay in my bed until the sun comes out to play. and mother pushed her pram along the street. This is a happy sight to see. There's a the part of it They okay. stood beneath the trees, the wooden trees. Wild geese flew overhead, people stood there and waited for spring to show its face. Well, TJ Hill, thank you for joining us.
1: Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode six hundred and sixty-seven. Next week, I'll see you then. Goodbye right for now. Goodbye
0: from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the bar. Yeah. Goodbye from the milk yeah.